When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite team. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Okay, NHL schedule released today. The Oilers start Wednesday, October 11th in Vancouver. The home opener Saturday, October 14th, also against the Vancouver Canucks. we got a story on 630shed.com that'll take you to the full schedule, or you can just go to the Oilers website. Longest homestand, a six-gamer, December 6th to 16th. The Oilers have their bye late January into early February. you got the... Heritage Classic, October 29th. You already knew about that. Calgary also here February 24th at Rogers Place. Montreal coming March 19th. The Leafs coming January 16th. Rangers are here October 26th. Just some key dates there along the way. And uh, the weather's getting ready for the draft tomorrow, though they don't have a pick at the moment in round one. I I would doubt that they would add one rounds two through seven on Thursday as uh, the weather's pick in rounds two, six, and seven. Jarrett Dagey took first string reps today at Elks practice, but Chris Jones did not uh, come out and officially name him the starter for the game against Ottawa on Friday. Eugene Lewis, receiver, did not practice, and Chris Jones simply said TBD about his status so that worries me a bit Elks at Red Blacks on Friday four o'clock for the countdown to kick off with Brendan Escott Morley Scott Dave Campbell on the call at 5 30. Trades today NHL Tyler Toffoli goes to the Devils for Igor Sharangovich and a third rounder and Winnipeg PA, uh, trading Pierre-Luc Dubois to the Kings for Velarde, Ayafalo, Kupari, and a second-round pick next year. Dubois, 25 years of age, was going to be an RFA. No longer. Kings lock him up eight years, $68 million. He covers the Winnipeg Jets on our sister station, CJOB in Winnipeg. It's Jamie Thomas checking in. Now, Jamie, are you in Nashville? I sure am. I just had to leave uh, the teen dinner at Morton's Steakhouse. Just only for you, buddy. Are you only serious? I am. Well, I didn't <laughs> no, know <I'm> that. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm, no, no, but I'm going back in. I'm just saying I would miss dinner if it was for you. Oh, okay. That's all I'm saying. Well, thank yeah, you. Yeah. You're very yeah. kind. Hey, yeah. but I, yeah, I, I, I got uh, to ask you on a side before we start, because you and I get into yeah. other topics. Uh, if I were to say the names John Biner and Super Dave Osborne, what television show would you think of? Uh, uh, bizarre. Yes, bizarre. I was talking about bizarre. The Super Dave Osborne was on Bizarre, right? When we were little guys. Yes, yes, yeah. I remember they would have that that skit with the girls would take their shirts. They would talk to each other, taking a T-shirt off at a time, would have a different message each time when they were having conversations. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, they they yeah, did yeah. some racy stuff on that show that I'm a little surprised they got 100%. away with on non-cable 100%. television. Yeah. Yeah, I know, and we were there for it, buddy. So it was that's our childhood. The Best. Growing yeah. up in the 80s. 
so John Biner, a, a Canadian show produced yeah. in uh, in Scarborough. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I guess it was Canadian television. Maybe they got away with a, a little bit more. But that's how <laughs> Super. That's where Super Dave became Super Dave. Was on Bazaar. Yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. That, that when he when he like you were just dying watching. And you're hope you're praying that Super Dave was gonna get uh, you know get hurt weekly. So at some point. <laughs> All right, one final one. Do you remember Super Dave's real name? Uh, I do not. Kellen remembered it. It's Bob Einstein, and he passed away oh. in 2019. I would never remember that, but that's like, thank you, Kellen. Thank you. <laughs> all right. So there we <laughs> I'm go. I'm calling Kellen for all the good information. Uh, no. Yeah. So, so Super yeah. Dave Osborne and Bob Einstein passed away in January of 2019 at the age of 76. Uh, John Biner, by the way, odd timing. It is his birthday tomorrow. He turns oh. uh, he turns 86. So there you go. There's Segway. Segway. There, there, there's the segue. <laughs> Yeah. Somehow that's the same way. <laughs> to Pierre Luc Dubois and the Winnipeg. Okay, so first of all, is it is it just like have have the last few weeks in Winnipeg just sort of been like who's going when and for where? Has it reached that point with some of their star players? Yeah, I think you'd have to look at it that way, and it's not everyday, you know, players of this uh, quality are all, you know, maybe on their way out, right? It's just, it's, it's it's a fascinating time, and you let into this week thinking this is probably the most important week in Winnipeg Jets 2.0 history. That's just what it felt like, and I think you take care of the first puzzle, piece of the puzzle here. Uh, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois was not going to sign an extension with the Winnipeg Jets. You didn't, you didn't, you only had one more year of control with him, and you get three guys that can go into your lineup right away so and a draft pick so i think kevin Sheveldale clearly taking advantage of the los angeles kings you know quinton byfield hasn't you know turned out as well as they thought he was going to they don't know what's going on with andre kopitar after this year so now you throw in a guy that's your number one center in pierre luc dubois and uh you bring back three guys as i mentioned and three good pieces um and they're younger um, so I think the Jets uh, came out of this one pretty well because it did. You know, you, you come into this one, you're thinking, okay, he's not giving many options. You're thinking it's Montreal, but does Montreal have? The, Montreal doesn't really have the pieces that they want to give up right now to help the Jets keep rebuilding or not rebuilding, reloading is the best way to put. It. They didn't want to rebuild, and I think Kevin Shoveldayoff pulled that off today and, and then some. Okay, so uh, Wheeler, Shifley, yeah. need a rider. Uh, who else? Uh, well, the goalie Hellebuck. So they all have one year left. Like, do you, mm-hmm. do you think they will all be gone? I mean, they. I guess they could uh, be. Like, is is it going to be that much of an overhaul? Well, there's still there's still that discussion like if the, with the Jets because it's a sign and trade. There's still that salary cap concern. So I'm not sure. It almost seems like they're moving forward. They're going to have to buy out Blake Wheeler. Nino Niederreiter is, you know, expressed while he was at the World Hockey Championship in Switzerland that he's enjoyed his time. So he does have one year left in this deal. So maybe there's a possibility you get him to stay around because he enjoyed his time, his short time in Winnipeg. Now, Mark Scheifele, another story, right? Mark Scheifele hasn't publicly come out and say that he doesn't want to resign in in Winnipeg, right? So there hasn't been that, you know, clear thing that, you know, the Realmans are coming with Connor Hellebuck. 
Um, but I, I essentially believe that Blake Wheeler's time is slowly uh, winding down here with the Winnipeg Jets. So that's another piece of the puzzle of what you're going to do as well. And um, so you're going to have to need some salary for a couple of years for, with Wheeler's contract too. So there's still a lot to be decided here, Reed. But I think the biggest one was Pierre-Luc Dubois to get that out of the way. And, and the Jets have done that. So they've got some breathing time here. And now there's not as much urgency with the other players that we just talked about. Okay, so this this was a big one that you thought was going to yeah. probably happen first. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and especially because he flat out isn't, isn't resigning, and there's you know there's no sense keeping him around. So they've got you know NHL quality players coming back the other way, and Rick Bonus and the coaching staff have some options with Kapari. Uh, I follow, and and I follow has uh, has played with Dominic Toninato, who's with the Jet, in the Jets organization with Matt Moose and knows Neil. Young played with him a bit too, so some familiarity there as well. And of course, um, you know Gabriel Velarde had a better, a, a much better year after some injury issues, right? So the Jets hoping he's on the other side of that, and clearly it looks like he is. Okay, the, the Jets lost in the first round. Uh, yeah. bo- bonus was extremely blunt. I mean, he basically mm-hmm. said he basically said his leaders didn't lead. He basically said his guys didn't pay the price. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pretty pretty damning. I, I mean, and. Like it's, I, I kind of always don't like being asked this. I'm going to ask you a question that I don't like being asked myself, but I, you'll know yeah, where to take fair. it because like, we're not in the dressing room. So sometimes people say, no. well, well, I, I don't like this player. He's an attitude problem. And I was like, well, I don't know that. I'm not, I'm not around the team when he's only around his teammates. But there was that sense that there was some disgruntlement, if that's a word, yeah. between the players yeah. and the coach. Like, Is that fair? Yeah. Does that contribute to anything that's happening? I, I don't like Pierre Dubois didn't really speak out the way you know Blake Wheeler had some issues with the way uh, Bones handled things you know Kyle Connor followed it up you know but I, I, I listen that to me had been building up for a while like you, if you anybody listened to Rick Bonus throughout the year there was concerns how are they going to react you know that it was great they got into first in the conference they were first in the division now the question was how would they handle being hunted all the time and you know they they, they did not respond well as a team there's there is flat out evidence with them you know, dropping in the standings, having to fight tooth and nail to stay in eighth spot. There's no doubt about that. So you can understand that. And, and I believe this, Reed. If if Winnipeg loses in Game Five in overtime, you know, or an empty net goal, say in Game Five, I think the fan base is fine with it. But just the way that they went out, and it right off the top of the game, it was like they were not on. And you could understand where Rick Bonus's frustrations were coming from. That's just built up over a matter of time. And, you know, you, you lose that game in overtime or by two goals, everyone's saying, okay, you didn't have Josh Morrissey, you didn't have Mark Shifley. Pretty hard to beat the number one team in the conference without those two players. But, you know, I'm just speaking from what I'm hearing from Jets fans in the city. They did not like the way the players reacted on their final day of the, of the media availability, right? Just saying they didn't like how... Bonus came out and said that publicly. He should have said that in the dressing room. You know that. I mean, there are other ways to handle that. I don't, I'm not a player, right? I'm not that. I don't know what was circulating through that way or how that all built up, right? But it's just I'm speaking from the outside with listening to the fans in the city. They didn't like that. So I don't think what Rick Bonus said had anything to do with Pierre-Luc Dubois departing. He just wasn't going to stay. So it was best for Kevin Shoveldayoff to move on from that asset as soon as possible. Okay. Well, one of the storylines to follow, and I mentioned the the Flames uh, trade as well of uh, Toffoli for Sharon Govich, who yeah. I think is yeah. an, an interesting player. So we'll see how that uh, yeah. plays out in Calgary and what else they have to do. Uh, I, I I don't I, I know you know it's that time of year for 
you guys who cover hockey, this this will be busy. You would have had some, yeah. some. Were you were you in Winnipeg last week when the Lions beat the Bombers? <laughs> yes, I was. So and that was a big story, right? So so here's the yeah. thing. Like here's the yeah. thing. I mean, Elks fans are are justifiably frustrated with not just the play at home, but the play away. Yeah. The Bombers yeah. have lost three home games since the start of 2019. That was one yeah. of them, and they got booed off the field. <laughs> I know. Like it's listen. It is so baffling to me. Like that is a, quickly a fan base that has been so spoiled. With, you know, three consecutive trips to the Grey Cup, two Grey Cup championships. It, it's you know, I I think you be get you become to expect that you're going to win all the time. Like all those years in Edmonton. Like as a kid growing up cheering for the Calgary Stampeders, you're just like they're never going to beat Edmonton. And right. that's I think where people are sitting. You know, and on the other side, I think I think Bomber fans are just expecting this team to dominate, not. Really realizing the long process it took for them to get where they are as dominant as they are it's a, and eventually you're going to lose so yeah it's but it, i i get all this stuff with the booing and everything but that is the craziest thing that is that to me is just blows my mind that you would have a team that's been so dominant for so long bc has rebuilt and looks fantastic this year so eventually you're going to lose and sometimes you get dominated on your home field. That happened. So it was, it was really puzzling for me, but not surprising um, to see people booing a great team having a bad night. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, I'm yeah. sure the Bombers will bounce back quite uh, yeah, quite angrily. Okay. I think, is it yeah, Montreal yeah. they have this, uh, this weekend? Yeah, <laughs> Winnipeg at so, Montreal. Yeah. So the Alouettes, yeah. who are undefeated, are going to get a pretty angry Bombers team. Okay, thanks for checking in. In uh, Nashville, uh, I don't know if there's yeah. anything. It's it's eight eighteen there. I don't know if there's anything to do in Nashville at this time of night, but hopefully you'll find it. <laughs> so boring, so boring here, buddy. So, like, like, <laughs> there's this annoying noise down on a street called Broadway. It never stops, and there seems to be a lot. There seems to be a lot of people moving up and down the street, Reed. That's all I can yeah, tell you. Yeah, right I hate that traffic congestion. Okay. <laughs> That's just, okay. <laughs> Thanks, Jamie. Appreciate it. Thanks for checking in. <laughs> hey, buddy. Jamie Thomas, who uh, is the color analyst for Jets Hockey on CGOB in uh, in Winnipeg. So just enlightening us there on the situation with the, the Jets and, and some of the tough times and a little bit of conflict between the coach and, and some of the players. But Pierre-Luc Dubois is traded to the uh, Los Angeles Kings. So that is... Uh, a pretty big story today. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. If you want to get in touch, I think we're uh, behind on some of the messages we have coming in. So uh, Kel and I will uh, hit some of those in a few minutes. <laughs> With Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. Riverhawks uh, in action down in the River Valley tonight. It is the second inning. They are trailing the Bellingham Bells 2-0. The Edmonton Stingers of the Canadian Elite Basketball League 5-5 five five on the season. I was just looking at the standings. There are uh, five teams in this 10-team CBL uh, at 5-5, five and five, so uh, pretty competitive there. They are home Thursday at 7.30 at the Expo Centre against Scarborough. All right. Quick update there. 
Oilers schedule is out. Get get a story on that on 630Ched.com, globalnews.ca, and Jarrett Dagey taking first-team reps for the Elks at practice today, though Chris Jones would not formally name him the starter. 780-496-0063. Go ahead, Kellen. And a potpourri of uh, Oilers and Elks texts coming in tonight. Let's focus on the Oilers for a bit. Uh, Alan Debra texts in and they say, could the Oilers get Carlson as he wants to be on a potential winning cup team? A contender as he wants to be traded would be a great asset. That's from Alan Debra. That would uh, be an incredible asset. I would still say that that is unlikely just because of how much money he makes and how tight the Oilers are to the cap. Uh, you'd obviously have to give up probably a couple valuable players to get Carlson and then maybe give them other things so San Jose retained part of the salary. That's the general framework of how it would work. So I, I never rule anything out entirely. I know we talked about it kind of mostly for fun leading up to the trade deadline, uh, but I, I would still have that in the unlikely category. Teammate Kurt texting in tonight says, just saw... Kim Costin will not be back with the Oilers. Who do you think can fill that hole? Uh, well, that's a good question. I, I, yeah, unlikely that Costin's going to be back. I, I mean, we were talking about Raphael. I, I guess specifically with Costin, okay, some offense and a, a little bit of intensity. Uh, you know, he fought a couple times. He got out there and hit. Um, clearly, the coaching staff didn't entirely trust him because there are, are there were games in which his ice time got pretty limited. Um, we were talking about Lavoie earlier, that, that uh, a guy pushing from the minors probably to play in the bottom six. Now, Lavoie with a higher offensive upside than, than Costin. In terms of doing what exactly Costin did, uh, I'm, I'm not sure because, you know, when he was on his game, he was a pretty unique player. But in terms of someone who can come in and take a roster spot, uh, I, I guess think about Lavoie for sure. I mean, Dylan Holloway's another player, right? He's, he, I mean, he's a first-round pick, as Costin was, I guess. Um, so you know, a couple guys who were on the farm at the end of last season who uh, I, I think the Oilers are hoping are going to be on the big team this year. Mm-hmm. Steve texts in and says, this is the quietest I can remember it being around the Oilers at the draft, and I like it. Glad the days of having high picks are behind us. Hope Holland can land Connor Brown, and maybe a shutdown D in free agency. That's from Steve. Well, yeah, it, it, the high pick after high pick every year was kind of exciting at first, and then I, th- I think it got a little a little tiring. As we know, the, the Oilers are in a mode here where, where they got to go for the cup. They're not, uh, they're not building up from the bottom right now. Mm-hmm. Old school Otis texts in and says, uh, Ken Holland's only concern this offseason should be making the Oilers meaner. Look at the teams in the cup final. Florida had Matthew Kachuk, who is a sleazeball. Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, Vegas has Peter Angelo, who gleefully tried to break Leon's arm, and Mark Stone, who would slash his own grandmother to win the cup. Uh, the Oilers have good players, but too many nice guys like Hyman, Ryan, McLeod, and Fogel. Those aren't the back alley brawlers, and that's from old school Otis. Well, uh, okay. First of all, I think that was his aunt that Mark Stone slashed, not his grandmother. But, yeah, I, I, I get that sentiment, I think. Maybe we're talking more about gamesmanship than meanness. I, I do think that is a step that the Oilers can take. I, I said when they got eliminated, they, they could probably use a, a miserable bastard or two on the roster, pardon my language. Uh, I, I don't think they need to go out and try to find six or seven guys who just play that way. But, yeah, a couple could help. 
I think intimidation and physicality and gamesmanship and maybe sometimes even being a little dirty are always going to be part of hockey. So, you know, I, I understand where that texture is coming from. I don't know if I would take it quite to that extent, but uh, I, I understand the general ballpark he's speaking in.